welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Good evening, everyone. It's Sunday night. Welcome to Teacher Talk. What is it? Sunday Teacher Talk, not Teacher Talk Dive. That was a whole nother show from yesteryear. Um, looking festive back here this evening. It was... Uh, my daughter Marley's ninth birthday this week, um, and we had the party yesterday. Well, yet yesterday was the birthday. Yesterday was the party, um, and it has been a crazy busy weekend. So, Tracy Pinder, Sunday Fun Day. What's up, Tracy? What grade do you teach? I forget. Um, and Br one one. I don't. Bron. Uh, Anthony Briggs. What's up? I'm glad that you caught this as well. I think it's crazy that people have a hard time catching. I mean, I completely understand there's children walking by behind me. Um, and I'm really glad when people like say that they're glad that they saw it and, and they weren't sure they were going to be on here or not. Uh, Carly Hopkins, what's up? Game Crow 88 I know that, dude. Um, Hales, Hales Teach, what's up? Uh, Jade Dobson, good morning. Where are you at, Jade? Uh, Stephanie Henry, what's up? Let's see. Oh, Bren's on here. What's up, Bren? Brennan is my unofficial uh, manager. Yeah, Brennan Redding's on here. Um, and let's see. Playing the blind card. Feels like a reference to something that I'm not privy to. What's up, Megan? What's up, Anthony? Sylv's on here, my, my mother-in-law. She tunes in from time to time. Uh, <laughs> spread the word, Sylv. Adriana, Jamie, um, Leah Pratt have been watching your videos this summer. Glad to get on the live stream as it's happening. I'm glad you're here, too. Uh, hey, who else am I seeing on here? Jasmine, Caitlin, uh, Jay Dobson's in Australia at 7 a.m. on Monday. It's 5 p.m. on Sunday here. So maybe we should call it Teacher Talk Sunday Monday. <laughs> just to no. just to confuse people. Uh, this is awesome. Amir, first week of school was amazing. Amir is a former student. He's still like former-ish. Like he's not in my class anymore, but but he's still in my class. Um, awesome. I can't say Oh, playing the blind card. I'm sorry I haven't texted you back. I would still love to talk to you at some point. For sure. Hook it up. Text me back and let me know what's going on and we'll make that happen. It's a woman that wanted to talk to me about like if I knew any blind teachers. And I actually have been did we get did we get a phone call from someone or a text from someone else or an email from someone? I ha I have stuff to talk to you about anyway. Uh so here's what I'm wondering, right? The, the yet last week was my first full week back, like first full days. And I'm wondering what, gosh, what's, what's a question? What am I thinking about? I don't know. Come on, wife. We all survive. You're supposed to help me. Uh, we did all survive. I am thinking about a lot of stuff. Um, uh, so I'm thinking about things that I was surprised about going back to school, like, um, kid, like we always have a number of kids that like transfer out of our school and don't end up coming back. And like, some of them are really disappointing because they're like guys that you've worked with over the past few years that you're like really hoping that they do well in life. And then now you don't know what's going to happen to them all the time. 
there are kids that show back up that you're like, didn't think I'd see you again or kids that show up in ninth grade again. And I'm like, bam, I didn't know you were going back to ninth grade. So I'm just wondering like, what was a surprising thing that happened at the beginning of your year that like good or bad. Um, and that's kind of what I'm wondering about. And I'm wondering about for a friend, I got an email from someone earlier. If anyone has an answer to this, I may have asked this before. If you have recently taken the praxis or anything like that, I'm not sure that the praxis is a global thing, but like, uh, you're taking the test to get into your teaching profession. What websites or resources have you used? It's been a long time since I've done that. And I don't know, I'm not always sure like what to tell people or where to direct them. So if you have anything that you know about that, it would be rad to, to hear your take on that. And then what, uh, and then if you have questions, what do you, what are you thinking about? What's going on? What are you wondering about? Maybe it's for a friend. Maybe, you know, you want to ask anonymously, maybe like whatever, um, and then as I'm answering questions, please, people in the comments, you can ask, you can answer those like as well and feel free to like try and help people out as you kind of see fit. Um, so the last thing before I jump into these, um, I, I've been partnering with uh, Teacher Connect. Teachers Connect is an online resource where you can post questions and then People can answer them. You can answer other people's. And it's only for educators. So there are no like students on there. There's no parents on there. It's just for educators. And it's a way to sort of cut through the noise of social media to help people out um, and help teachers out like where you can. And the, the really dope thing about it is that like you could be a first year teacher and try and help someone that's been in the game for a long time. Um because maybe you have some insight on something that they have not thought about before. And so I do want to ask a question from there, which we'll kick it off with tonight by Anonymous, which is a confusing name for someone to have. They truly are anonymous. But then their profile picture is Heisenberg, so that's kind of fun too. Uh, hello, this is my first time actually posting on here. However, I've been quietly observing a little background. This is my very first year teaching Prior to this, I was a stay-at-home mom and held education, child-slash-related jobs here and there. In August, I was hired to teach fourth grade at a school in an urban setting. It is an extremely difficult, capital letters, uh, it is extremely difficult than what I am used to, and I'm really finding myself disliking it. What do I do? I really want to find a new job or even sit out the year in, uh, of teaching until I find something closer to home. I'm trying to be positive, but I'm still not happy thinking about um, thinking about having to do this for the whole year. The other staff and admin are great. It's the children, the behaviors, the respect, the uh, disinterest in learning, racism, etc. I'm very frustrated. Please help. So, you know, when I think about that, gosh, I just often think about teachings like so many other things. Like you think you want to get into it. Just like I think I want to go to the gym sometimes. And then I like the next morning, I just don't want to do it. Or you get there and you realize it's hard. And so if we just remember that we can't blame the kids, and I'm not saying this individual is doing that. They did not say that. But like, if we go in thinking like it's the kid's fault or it's the school system's fault, like that takes the power away from us. We need to remember as teachers that we have the power to do a lot more than we sometimes think we do. And sometimes that's just teaching kids to, to deal with their anger, to deal with their frustration, to deal with their anxiety. Because when we can do that, then we truly connect with people and they'll let us, then they will gauge, they'll learn to, to be interested in whatever it is that we're teaching because they are interested in us, because they know 
that we might be the only people that are caring for them tomorrow. They might be, the, we might be the only people that say good morning, that offer them a snack, that care what they're doing that night, that care about, you know, them babbling on about, I do say babbling because I have some babbling kids that will talk about things that aren't necessarily interesting to us, right? Like, like Pokemon or, you know, Teen Titans Go or Fortnite, but it's not that I'm interested in the thing. I'm interested in you and I'm interested in how you think and feel. So I'll totally listen to anything you're talking about because it's you that I care about. And so I just think that that's a really good way to think about it because then it puts the power back in your court and not in to the court of the kids that are like frustrated, you know, like racist kids didn't, you know, I think Obama said this, like racist kids didn't come out racist. They like learned those behaviors from someone. Angry kids didn't just like come out angry, although that's, that could be the somewhat true, but largely they are learning that from somewhere or it's a coping mechanism for some other place that they're lacking because they don't know what to do with the anger. Um, so let me know if anyone's doing anything cool in the beginning of the year too, like if that pops up and then I'll shout out. It's, I mean, um, so Hales teaches asking, how do you stay relentlessly positive when it goes, uh, when life goes at such a frantic speed and things blindside you at every turn. I'd love some advice to keep my, myself focused on the job I want. I loved once. So I would say this, um, gosh, I don't know that I'm relentlessly positive. I think I'm just positive more than I'm not positive. My wife would tell you that I'm not relentlessly positive, but she doesn't always know what she's talking about. <laughs> um, I would say one, if you find so one, I, I, there are just things that I know about myself and sometimes they're hard to admit, right? So like, I know that if I wake up at 5am and go to the gym, I am a better teacher that day because I'm not waking up at six, looking at Instagram for the next 10 minutes. And then I'm behind, like I'm ahead of the game. I'm engaged. I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I am empowered to go into school and like crush it that day. But Everyone knows it sucks getting up at 5 a.m., especially when it's getting darker out later here in the Northern Hemisphere or lighter later. And so, like, when you're in bed at 5, it's completely dark outside, right? But, you know, I know that I'm better if I do that. I know I'm better if I pray and meditate in the morning. I know I'm better if, I can, if I'm prepared for the week. But I don't always want to get prepared for the week because I'm too busy, like, working on stuff I want to work on. Um, but if I, you know, so here's, here's my, my idea for that. One, rig the game to win. Know the things you need to do for yourself so that you can be a better teacher. And if that looks like going to the gym, make a deal with yourself that you will do the minimum effective dose at the gym. So for me, sometimes that means only running one mile, which is a big deal for some people, but you know, some people would laugh at running just one mile. And I do three exercises, one set each. That's it. And then I leave. I can literally be out of the gym within 30 minutes and I'm gone. And you can make it even less than that. Maybe it's just you have to drive to the gym today. You don't even have to go in. You can just drive there every day or at least walk in, scan your little badge at the thing. That's what they do at Planet Fitness anyway. And then you're out of there, right? Or planning for the week. It could be the minimum amount of planning for the week. But you're, what you're doing is you're identifying the things that make you feel stronger and you're doing them for at least a small amount of time. And what that does is it builds momentum so that you will then do more. So maybe you show up 
Some days I show up to the gym and I can run two or three miles and then hit like a couple more exercises. Like you're building that momentum. And I think the last thing is finding ways to make things fun in school. Maybe that's not even your lesson, but you're finding someone else to try and make their day more fun, to try and make them laugh, to try and make yourself laugh. And when you're, I think when you're laughing, your whole day is better. And I've never had a day, no matter how dark it was, no matter how, what awful thing has happened to my school or to my students that I haven't been able to find something to laugh about because that I think is the cure for so much stuff because it, it just, it takes the seriousness off the moment. It helps you back up and, and reevaluate. Um, Lynn, uh, Lydia, Lydia Holland is saying as a prospective teacher, how do I work with other peers in my group who are always negative and shut down my ideas? This is an an ongoing thing. I would say, one, um, putting in the time and effort to get to know those individuals, right? And that might sound like the worst idea ever, right? Like, who wants to go out to dinner with someone like that? But when they can see that when you are relentlessly positive, people just kind of get used to that. Can you go tell the boys to turn off yes. the Google alarm up there? Um, and... So it's, it's, I always hear is the Google, the Google home is like, has the alarm going off and they're completely tuned out of that. So um, when you're relentlessly positive, when you're relentlessly silly, when you're relentlessly caring, eventually people just get that that's who you are. And it's not just like, oh, she's first year and she has no idea. Or he, he's, he's only been in teaching for three years. Of course, he's not like worn down yet. But the truth of the matter is, is like you can get worn down in a week and just hate it, right? So I think spending the time getting to know those folks, maybe getting to know them at like, um, like having them for dinner, going out for dinner with them and finding other things to talk about. And I just think that positivity is contagious. And then I would say, Find other people in your school that you, that you get down with too, right? Like maybe it's not your team, but it's like somebody else that is like part of the science department or the history department. And maybe you teach English that you're getting down with. And then you make your own crew of people that are like maybe fighting those battles also. But you're you have to stay centered on something that's good and trying to serve and not on just like talking bad about other people because that that's that's the dangerous trap there. Um, okay. Uh, this is from my buddy, the diary of a mad black teacher is saying question. Have you guys seen the time Me magazine article about teachers? And the article so here is saying, let me show it to you. All right. There's, apparently there's three. Oh, everybody knows except for me. Um, I have a master's degree, 16 years of experience working two extra jobs and donate blood plasma to pay my bills. I am a teacher in America. So I saw that. What are you scrolling me yeah, to? We'll scroll. There's oh, there's like different ones. Oh, I did see this one. I have 20 years experience, but I can't afford to fix my car, see a doctor for headaches or save my child's future or for my child's future. And my child and I share a bed in a small apartment. I spent a thousand dollars on supplies and I have been laid off three times due to budget cuts. I'm a teacher in America. Um, I haven't. So I did see those. I haven't read the article. I'm now I'm going to go read the article when we're done. But I just think that it's, there's a bunch. you know, I, I know friends that teach in Oklahoma, that teach in Arizona. And when I, I once made a comment that when I first started teaching, I made $32,000 a year. And how in New Jersey, that is like not enough to live on. Like you, like I, when I first teach, I have never talked about this. When I first started teaching, 
I just bought a house. I was living with friends with me and my wife and my son were living with friends until we bought a house. We finally bought a house and we were so poor that I, ha- I used to run out of toilet paper and go and take napkins from restaurants when I was there. Like if I was at McDonald's or something, I would just take extra napkins because we didn't have toilet paper. And so we even applied for public assistance. And I was told I made too much money to get on the public assistance when I'm like, dude, but I'm, I'm stealing napkins so I can like go to the bathroom. And for me, it is mind boggling that like any, like we are, we're professionals. We're trying to do good stuff. Now, if I was working minimum wage, I could see like, or if I was working at McDonald's or if I was doing any number of other like jobs that I've had in the past where I wasn't making enough to cut it, sometimes that kind of makes sense because you like, depending on the job that you have, like it, it's just harder to make more money. But as a teacher, as someone that's putting, you know, 16, 12 hour days in sometimes, and then spending money on children and giving your all your heart and soul to something to not be able to make it is mind boggling. And so when I put that out there about how much I had made, I have gotten so many comments and emails from people that are like, I wish I made that much money. I make $20,000 a year. I make $22,000 a year. And so for me, you know, I hate to tell someone to get another job, but like there are opportunities out there that you can use what you know as a teacher to make extra cash. And I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not saying that like teachers should just make more money because they should, um, they should make enough to live on. So you don't have to worry about that stuff. But, you know, I, I also just think that there's things like, whether it's like Dada ABC, which is like a scripted tutoring program online where you're teaching um, like kids in China, English, and it's super easy. And uh, I used to work at a place called Excel Academy here in Jersey, and that was scripted and it, was, it paid like 30 some dollars an hour or what was the other jam that we learned about? What am I thinking about? Oh, you're doing stuff. Um, so I just think there's other opportunities out there. So I just, you know, I, I think it is terrible. But if I were to help someone or steer them in the right direction, I'd say I'd go do this before I'd go do like work at like a retail space where you're going to get paid $7 an hour or something like that. Um, thanks for the ride is asking, what's the state of technology education in your school? I'm a tech teacher in New York and there's massive demand and not many qualified teachers. So we kind of dream on a budget in West Philly. There is not always money for technology and the technology that we have is often like there. So for instance, freshmen have a number of laptop carts because kids that are from in 10 through 12 come in and they get, they pay a very small amount of money um, for a security deposit, but then they are given a laptop. The freshmen are not because there's far more freshmen. A lot of them don't make it to the 10th grade. So I guess the the initial investment is not worth it. So we have laptop carts, but when the batteries don't work, when the keys are missing, when, um, when, you know, some other teacher like forgets because it's never my fault. Some other teacher forgets to plug the laptop cart in. You just run into all these issues or you have a bunch of kids with dead laptops, even in the 10th, 11th and 12th grade that need to plug them in because there needs to be like 57 outlets in your room and there's just not so i that's something that you always run into so i try to not use much technology in my classroom unless it's for a very specific reason because i always run into to problems with it um and any first year teachers will tell you like if you 
don't have a backup plan. I'm saying first-year teachers because, like, once you've been in the game for a while, like, you you have a backup plan innately. But, like, when you're new and you don't have a backup plan and the projector bulb goes, it's like, oh, no, what am I going to do now? It's like this is a nightmare. And so it's it's tricky. So I, I don't use a lot. I did get a Promethean board this year, which is essentially, like, a large – smart board that is touchscreen and it seems really awesome, but I'm still trying to figure that out. So yeah, look, if I couldn't find a job, I, I would go to places and say, like, look, maybe find out what a school has before you get an interview and say, look, I've looked into what you've got and this is all the stuff I can do with what you've got. Or I can teach teachers like on the laptops they have how to use like, um, uh, Chrome extensions and how to use different websites to like enhance their learning experience in their class. So maybe they have stuff that they don't even like Promethean boards last year in my school, we had a bunch of them and no one knew how to use them. They were essentially large TVs in people's classrooms for them to hook their computer up to. So I think on the front end is you figuring out like what benefit you could, what value you could bring to the school without telling them, Hey, if you order a bunch of stuff or if you have a bunch of money, um, we could do this, but like, Here's what you've got. Let's make something from nothing. Or I'm going to show you how to go deeper into what you've already got. Anthony Biggs is asking, I moved back to, to teaching secondary math. Um, 11, oh, 11 year olds through 16 year olds. I thought it said 11th grade through 16th grade. As I had taught in, uh, I had taught at post 16 for a bit and I'm surprised how much I missed it. My problem at the moment is building relationships uh, with a difficult class. So Anthony, the answer for this is is kind of always the same for me. The thing that people get kind of pushed back on with in terms of building relationships is they expect, and I'm not saying this is you, but I'm saying this is the majority of folks I've talked to. They expect it to happen much faster than it does. And the fact of the matter is it doesn't. It takes time. It's I don't know why I keep making gym references tonight, but like <laughs> if you go to the gym and, and like work out and you work your ass off, you give everything you have, you cannot come home and be like, man, I look all swole now. Like now I'm now I'm looking tough because it's going to take time. And so it takes time to meet every single student and then to do it again and again and again. And then they're still going to come in and be a jerk maybe. And then, and then like kind of building from there and you're essentially like building that bond you're building that scar tissue with another student and what over time that will benefit you and then what's going to happen to you a hundred percent is in the years to come in years to come because you're going to have patience with this or if you do you will have students now my freshmen come in they're not really sure what to make of me but all the 10th, 11th, and 12th graders come back in and we really get along and they, the students get to see that. And then I kind of am living off of the reputation I have with other students and that wins so much of the time. It's ridiculous. So just you're, what you're doing basically is listening to other kids. What are they saying? What are they talking about? What do they care about? And then find a way to, to know about that interest so you can talk to them and be in their space and then it will just take itself from there. Um, Ale Alexandra Whitehead is saying, I'm in my third year and I'm absolutely love teaching after a career change from the legal world. Whew, my only problem is that I work all the time. If I'm not in the classroom, I'm working from home. So I think he has work-life balance. Oh, okay. How does one find work-life balance? I think you find work-life balance by absolutely making it a priority. If you need, if there's one thing to understand about teaching, it's that the work is never, ever done. 
in the early days, my wife would always say, are you done work yet? Are you done yet? Are you done planning yet? Are you done doing that thing yet? No, I'm never done. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's never, ever, ever done. It's like you can get to a place where you feel better, but you're not a hundred percent done. And so just building that out, even if you're building out, like make it a priority that like at night at a certain time, that's my cutoff time. Right. And I have this for myself where I have a hard cutoff where I'm not allowed to work after that. We're not talking YouTube or business after that. We're not talking school. We're not talking whatever. It's just downtime. You have to build that in. And for me also, it is exercising and either praying or meditating. What that's doing is like giving me more fuel so that I can give more, like I'm putting stuff in so that I can get good stuff out. Um, which sounds weird, but like, that's, that's kind of my idea is that like, I have to treat my body like it's a Porsche and not a beat up old Toyota. And then I'll get, I'll get more out of it so that you're, you're working a little bit more efficiently there too. Just, she's not a question, but help her out since you know this world very well. Okay. Jasmine world is saying so true. Googled Fortnite video games to figure out what these boys are so wrapped up in. I still don't get it. So Awesome. So let me speak to that. We have an 11 year old. Yeah. The first time my kids got Minecraft years ago, I remember getting on, I grew up playing video games, right? You're like Mario and you're trying to jump through things and go down pipes and handle stuff. Zelda, same kind of thing. Then I get on Minecraft. And I'm like, well, what the hell's the point? Like we're just wandering. just wandering around and like occasionally kill a zombie and like try not to get killed. Like it made no sense. Um, but if you, if you, play it right so this is the difference you can learn about it and that's awesome download it it's for free and just run around and shoot people and play it and then you will have some sense of it's like actually really and fun. then here's 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 your in jasmine is then go to it's school and students. say i got like what are the best weapons are so they're all color-coded like is it gray green orange purple they all have little backgrounds around them and your kids will be so stoked to talk to you about it like this is my favorite weapon, or this is where I go, or this is where I hide, or this is how I get people all the time, or this is how you friend people. And then you're going to get, a, you will, I'm telling you, you will get invited by the students to play with them, which is cool because you're not like on a microphone, you're not hanging out with them and stuff. Well, and you can be. Just turn your microphone yeah, off. Yeah, turn your mic off. And then you're just playing with kids and you're building that relationship. I know tons of you teachers do right that on do your this. Phone. You do it right on your phone. It's completely free. But then it's what's happening there, right? This is the best part of it the students are teaching you something that you don't know about. So then when you go back in the class, it's this kind of mutual existence where they're being the teacher and you're being the teacher. And then you can start like relating things to something you talked about, something you did, something in a book or in a lesson that matches to what was in that game. And it becomes the best. What do you got, buddy? My buddy Tracy Pinter is saying, uh, I'm mentoring a first year ELA teacher this this year that teaches in my team. How do you support him or allow him to make his own mistakes and grow from them, uh, but maintain structure within the team? So that's a really, that's an awesome question. So I'm thinking about this. If anyone saw my video from last week, I have my homie Ed uh, is my new co-teacher this year, right? And so it is difficult for me, and I haven't even talked to Ed about this yet. So Ed, if you're watching, you can learn about this. Um, Sometimes when we're in class, I it is hard for me to relinquish control, which is kind of my kind of my personality anyway. But you have to let people kind of fail because that's like and Ed's not failing, right? But like what I what, the reason I'm bringing that up is 
um, I'm, I'm identifying that, that I realize it's difficult when you're teaming up with someone sometimes. Um, cause I want Ed to have the best year. Right. And so if somebody, if I feel like someone's not paying attention to him as if everybody always pays attention to me, I like take it personal for Ed. Like, I'm not like dissing him, but I'm just like, yo, pay attention, man. Ed's he's like trying his best up here and he's new. So like pay attention. He's trying to kick it. And like for you guys, um, I would say this, I would say going hoping for the best, but expecting failure because like one of my favorite poets, uh, Derek Brown says, losing is pregnant with chance. Victory escorts loss to every dance. And so if losing is pregnant with chance, it's only in failing that we ever learn anything. Right. And that's just like said time and time again. So it's cliche at this point, but like um, kind of like preparing them, like, look, this might suck. But then what are we going to do with that? Because when they get out into teaching by themselves and they fail at something, what you're doing, Tracy, is like giving them the tools to like how to pick themselves back up, how to push through the next day. Because the teaching train doesn't stop, just goes on from day to day to day. And they can be more prepared for that and then be ready, like to maybe kind of like jump in if they need it, because something did completely fall on its face. And then you already know all the backup stuff and like how to, how to handle that and everything. So that's, I would just go in expecting it. Like it's going to happen. Um, Summer Tate is saying, uh, I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong one. Summer Tate is saying, I signed up for Storybird for my EL, uh -oh, for my ELA seventh graders and wanted some advice on how to use it to inspire writing or to use as a final draft. So Storybird, I actually, if you go on there, uh, I don't know if you saw this or not. I'm like the, their high school face now. Uh, I partnered with them over the summer. So just to be like transparent about that. But um, I think, you know, Storybird, how am I thinking? I want to use this. I've not used it. So what I use it for is teaching kids basics of narrative storytelling, like writing children's books or writing short stories in that way. Um, so wanted some advice on how to use it to inspire me. So I would say this, um, give me, so Summer, here's what I'm going to suggest that you do. If this isn't too much trouble, if you email me and tell me what you're trying to do, what you're trying to learn, what lesson you're using this with your kids, I can take a look at it and then help you try and navigate that, that world a little bit more. Um, cause I have used it and I, I did have to learn it to be able to partner with them so that I could like make videos for them. Um, but it would be a lot easier if I knew what you were working on uh, or kind of where you're going with it so that I could just direct you in that way. So that's the best way to answer that question. Um, okay. The more you grow is asking, is saying, Hey Reynolds, I've been excited for Sunday. I had a question. I see you videoing with your students often. Is there some kind of waiver or document that they have to sign, uh, to get, what am I saying here? To have your students sign to be in the videos. I know that's, uh, a a thing often in places. Yeah. So my rule with, with my school is the principal and I, um, last year, he said that I cannot record during school, which is why I never have any of my actual class time in my videos anymore. And that's something I'm, I'm hoping will, will shift at some point because I, I get asked for it a lot. I think there's a lot of value there, but the students all sign a waiver. I have one. Um, if you, if you want, I can send it to you. Just shoot me an email and I'll send you a copy of it so you can at least see what I say. But I really just want parents to know that like um, that I'm doing it, that 
I am not doing like, I don't make a lot of money from YouTube, but this is like, I, I, the, my business that I am building is to create, like to supplement my income. Um, and so then I want parents to know, like, that I'm only ever trying to empower. I'm not ever trying to exploit their children. I'm not ever trying to get them to tell personal information. I don't use full names. I don't, um, say the name of my school really in my videos. Like, so there's not, I'm not trying to like, I want them to know that this comes from a place of good and trying to help people in the world. And I've never had a parent say that they couldn't, that their kid couldn't be on there. I think because most parents realize that like their kids are on social all the time anyway, but that's, that's kind of how I handle that. But you don't have your freshmen on ever. No, no, that's not true. I, I have freshmen on. So I teach freshmen and um, the freshmen come on later in the year because I don't want to just have anyone on. Like I want to, it's calculated all the time who's on because I have kids that will just like curse out of nowhere. I can't have that on YouTube and I don't feel like editing it out all the time. Um, I don't want to just have the best kids on. So I'm smart about having like kids that are on all levels of, of all different spectrums on there as well. And I just think it makes it more real. Good. Mm -hmm. What do you got for next one? Yeah. Right down. Oh, look oh. at you. You're a boss. No, this one. Sorry, I was holding it. <laughs> um, Alex. Oh, Alex, that I just emailed earlier. Alex, whose last name, bro? I can't. I, mean, I could try it, but it's not going to work. Um, Alex is saying, "How do you deal with a coworker who disagrees with your decisions as a teacher? Having an issue with a coworker at lunch and recess who is older than me and has worked here longer but has the same job? I would say first, sometimes wondering like if what they're saying has any like." if it's true like maybe they what they're saying is like is like uh is is right so sort of reinvestigating that and not just shooting it down but also i think you know maybe so there's a couple of things one just not hanging out with that person right like some people aren't going to be changed some people have been teaching for a long time they're very set in their ways and i know that i have people in my life that are older like my grandmother, my grandmother's not going to watch this. I don't think so. She's 85 and she has a flip phone. But um, my grandmother has like very hard and fast ways of like how she thinks of the world, what she thinks is right, what she thinks is not right. And I'm just not going to win with that. She's been thinking that way for 85 years. And if it doesn't damage anyone or if it's not like a, a defeating kind of mindset or, or it's not wrong, then I just let it go. And I just don't even have the conversation. And I just keep going on crushing it my own in my own life and then there are other people that like um you just have to give them time like there i have had too many people in my life to to cut everyone out like i don't cut everyone out because i'd say i've had too many people in my life that i've not gotten along with but with enough time and enough finesse and really you're building relationships that when something goes wrong in their life and you're there for them you back them up you have, that's where I think real friendship comes from because anyone you've ever been through hurt with, you know, that relationship is far more solid than just someone that you've gone clubbing with. Right. So I think putting in that time and, and talking to them, maybe not just debating about things, but finding things you have in common, like where, where did their kids grow up? What do they like? Do they, you know, and then kind of making the conversation about them and then asking them about things they're interested in is only going to make them in a better mood if they're talking about sports and you, you know, like ask them about it. Like, um, it just benefits the whole situation. So th those are my couple of quick things I would say. Uh, did she say, yup. 
Chloe McVeigh is saying, hey, Reynolds, my husband is in the military and it's looking like we will likely have to move in the middle of the first year of teaching. Will this reflect poorly when I'm applying for the next job? I cannot imagine any school ever dogging you because your husband's in the military and you are required to move. It's not that you're making the decision. Um, and actually, if I was going to talk to someone about this, uh, my friend, a classroom diva, um, I'm forgetting, what's her real name all of a sudden? Jess, Jessica. Jessica. Oh, Jess. Uh, so she's on YouTube and she used to do a teaching channel that she doesn't really do anymore. She has a private channel now, but if you go on there, you can find her contact information. She's a lovely, lovely woman. And her husband is in the military and is constantly moving around to the point where she just takes sort of long-term sub positions every year or like takes over a class that like people just could not handle because she's awesome. And so she would probably be able to give you really good advice on that. But I I cannot imagine a school that I would want to be in that would dog you for something like that. What do you got there, assistant? Um, Franklin Gaddy is saying, I think that's how you pronounce your last name. Franklin Gaddy is saying, in the next few weeks, I'll be going through my teacher cadet class and helping out past middle school uh, and helping out a past middle school teacher. Any advice on, wait, on the difference between teacher help or, wait, any advice, I'm reading this wrong. You did not write it wrong. Any advice for the age difference with a teacher helping teach middle schoolers? So I think, is this dude we emailed earlier? Frankly, I think yes. I, I might have emailed you today. So I'll say this again because I think it's a good piece of advice. If um, if you are, so this, so what Franklin's talking about is Franklin is in high school. He's in a teacher program that he is going, they're going to put him in the middle school to go help an old middle school teacher. And he's concerned because his age is very close to the age of the students there. And I think this also works for people that are like when you're 22 and getting out of college and you're going and teaching seniors in high school that are only four years younger than you. Um, there can be this weird stuff because you're just like, you are teaching like kids that are so close to your age. I think that the, what the mindset you need to go in with is that first of all, just identifying it. There's nothing you can do about it unless you're going to like wish on a Zoltar machine. And all of a sudden you're going to be like 30 years older or something like that. Um, and, but I think if you go with the idea that you're the mentor or the coach and not the friend, right? Friends get mad at friends if they're real with them, if they do something that's to their benefit, but it doesn't seem like a nice thing to do. But if you're the coach or the mentor, you can say things to kids that they don't usually get said to by their friends. And so I always have kids because I build relationships, kids that will say, yo, how'd you give me a zero on that? Or what do you mean to take off a point? Because I was like, like, I thought we were boys. I thought we were homies. I thought we were friends. And it's like, no, that's where you got to twist it, bro. We're not friends. We're on some kind of elevated stuff right now where I am your mentor or I am your teacher and I care so deeply about you and about what becomes of you that I have to hold you to a higher standard 100% because if I don't, then I'm concerned that of what's going to happen with you. Like, So understand that I'm willing to put your liking me, like, like I'm willing to like push that aside because I want what is best for you. And then that always wins. Kids can always understand that. And that, I think that's where you, where you win with that situation. So that's literally your next question. And then someone had a couple of good points. Jane Dobson. Okay. Word. So Rosie Lula 
is saying, hi, Reynolds, first year teacher here, working hard to build relationships with kids. But because I look so young, they are viewing me as a friend and not an authority figure. Any advice? Um, I would say this, Rosie, kind of like my last point, um, tell them that they're you are not friends, right? And don't tell them that to break their little hearts, right? Like you don't want to like be like, I'm not your friend. I'm your teacher. Like, I mean, you could sound like Lego Batman when you say it if you want, but um, honestly, it's more about like sometimes in your life, right? This is a lesson for everyone. In your life, people will treat you the way you teach them you can be treated. So that can happen verbally or non-verbally. So when you're in a relationship, if someone punches you in the eye, you've somehow along the way communicated the fact that you can be punched in the eye. And I don't, that's not really, let me say that a different way, right? Um, because you could be in a relationship and that happens. And then if you stay, you're kind of, you're, you're staying is saying something about what you're willing to accept, right? And I don't know anyone's personal situation. Maybe that happened and you work it out and your relationship gets even better afterwards. I'm not here to judge, you know, I'm just using it as a metaphor, but Sometimes you have to tell students like, look, this is my role. This is your role. This is what our relationship should look like. Or ask them like, what do you think our relationship should look like? And kids will be very honest with you. And so I get what you're, what, what that's like. Um, but when kids realize that you're there for them and you're willing to, to push that aside for their betterment, I think kids really, really get it. And kids, in my experience, love they love rigor. They love consistency over almost anything. That if I'm not at my door every single day, shaking every single hand, Reynolds, why aren't you at the door today? Is everything all right? Yeah, bro. I had like to handle something real quick. They love when people are honest with them and a hundred percent real. They're not like trying to like, like my guys love when I'm super real with them. Um, and I think they appreciate it more, but like your friends can't always do that. So I'm willing to not be your friend so that I can be your, your teacher. So Jay Dobson, Jay Dobson is saying, um, relationships with students are key in capital letters. When you're young, I found that they behave for you because they respect you and that, um, and are upset when you make it clear they've disappointed you use your youth to your advantage. When we tend to understand that they're coming, uh, when we tend to understand where they're coming from more and what they're talking about all the time, play to those strengths if you can. Jade, that is a hundred, a hundred and one percent true. And I, I love how you're using your youth, which a lot of times people like wish they didn't have. Right? It, you're you, you're playing that to your advantage. You're using that sort of like what some people look at as as a limitation to empower you is fantastic. They were next to each other, and I meant for you to read that one, but they're on the exact same oh, topic. Oh, okay, you know? same kind of tip. Um, so J JTHO is saying, I'm a young teacher, 23, and I just switched to teaching high school. Note, I look like I'm 16. Um, I'm looking, I'm finding students don't take me seriously because of my age. Any advice? So I'd also say this, like this is a running theme tonight, right? Kids, first of all, don't tell them how long you've ever taught. Never, ever, ever. Unless you've been teaching for 20 years because then it looks like you know something. But if it's your first through fifth, depending on the school year, um, don't tell them. Don't tell them how old you are either, right? They'll never know. If they just assume that you're old most of the time anyway. Um, so I think just the way you're going to win with that is just like, um, so this is the JTHO. Just like Jade just said, if you put the time in, right? It will, you will just win for anyone. 
Building relationships takes time. And when you put the time in, you will 100% get returns on that. Not with every single kid, because not every kid wants a, uh, a relationship with you. And not every kid gets, um, is going gonna, is gonna to look for that from you. There might be the history teacher they get down with, or a coach, or the principal, or there might be someone else. But the kids you're going to win with, you're going to win with because you relentlessly put in time and never, ever give up on them. And are consistent all the time with what you want from them. It just wins every single time. What do you got there, buddy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Diane Boyce is saying, I teach at a charter school in Philly too. Oh, interesting. My principal wants me to change the way I teach math. My students scored 49% proficient and advanced last year. Um, my gut says improve on what I did last year and then uh, don't want to revamp something that doesn't work. State average for the PA for the last sixth grade year was 40%. And I'm not teaching to the test. I'm teaching my kids. Uh, so 100%. So I would say this. Dan, I would say what one, I'm wondering what your principal is saying they want you to do, right? So is there like any, is there any good in what they're saying, right? And then two, um, look, I just think, I, I don't want to give bad advice here, but sometimes I just think if you know better, then do better. Like do the thing you know you're supposed to do, right? I just think when even teachers come to me and they say like, look, I have real scripted lesson plans on, and what the scripted lesson plans are doing is like in a world of no child left behind, we're leaving kids behind because the education train just keeps tearing on through and kids are not getting what we did on Monday. But my lesson plans that have been written for me say on Tuesday, I got to move on. There's no space to go back and, and review that stuff. I'm saying just do it anyway. There's got to be some way you can cut something out or do something or make it beneficial so that you're kind of like playing the game to an extent, but you're really on the low doing things that the kids really need. Sometimes the administration doesn't realize what's the best thing. So maybe plead your case. Maybe talk to your department. Maybe talk to your department head or other math teachers or whatever. Build a case and say, hey, look, these are some things that we're noticing and this is a way that we think as a team, we could move forward to make this a better situation for the kids. Because when you, you know, when you're by yourself, it's just your voice. But if you have that kind of backing of the whole department, it might really, really benefit you. And if, and if the whole thing is a wash, then just keep doing what you're doing on the low if you know you're going to get incremental improvement out of the students. Because um, again, it's only about the students, right? It's always about the students. And just keep that mindset. And again, I say that without knowing your principal. I don't want to. I don't want to say something against them or say go against them. I mean, maybe they have. There's some legitimacy to what they say, but you would know that better than I would. Um, but that's my take on it. Um, Christina, Christina Silva is saying, "Hi, CJ. I teach ESL. Or I start teaching ESL cl classes tomorrow, but the grouping is indefinite. Any tips on how to manage the first week or two?" of kids switching classes, new kids join, um, plus wait, we're waiting for books. Thanks. So I would say in my school, they're constantly changing the schedule. They're constantly changing um, kids because someone will join football or they realize that they were put in honors and they shouldn't be, or they should be in honors and they're not yet, or they changed electives. So there's a lot of that fluidity. I would say just start, just teach. 
And then I would, when new kids come in, so first of all, I always start with how excited I am for the year and how pumped I am to be here and how this is going to be the greatest class I could possibly make it. Um, and then what you're doing is if you can, if you can build that enthusiasm on the front end with your students, then somebody coming in later is going to be like, this is kind of awesome or could be awesome. And that is what you want. And you want kids that leave, this might sound bad, but you want kids to leave to think like, oh no, I like this class, right? And so that is, and then when someone new comes in, I always pull them aside. I'll get everyone else started on whatever we're doing. I pull them aside and kind of give them the shortened version, the Cliff Notes version of like, look, I just want you to know, I'm stoked to be here. I want the best year ever for you. If you need anything ever, please come see me. That could be not being able to open your locker or you don't know what's for lunch today or you are lost um, or you don't know what we're learning in class. Like come to me for all that stuff. Um, and then those little side conversations are giving that kid the one-on-one so they're not going to feel awkward or like they're left out of something when you and the class are really moving at a pace and you're connecting and things are going well, they won't feel left out. They'll feel like partnered in. And then I would team them up with someone or sit them next to someone that's going to be encouraging, like be strategic about where you put that new kid so that they are getting everything out of the class they can and not feeling like, you know, like the, like the, third wheel in, in the class or something like that um i like that you're laughing about stuff next to me like i don't I know what you're reading but i just always... i just hear you nose laughing over there like you're trying not to be loud <laughs> it's kind of fun um so whoosh. i don't know how to say that just about it sheetar <laughs> sheetar 2012. I don't, I think I'm saying that right. I don't really know. Um, Hey Reynolds, what advice can you give about supporting a club for students? I got students asking about a Spanish club, but we have no clue where to start. So sponsoring a club for students. I got students asking about a Spanish club. I have no idea. So you have kids that want a Spanish club. Let me, I don't know if I'm getting this right. So maybe you could clarify (laughs) for me. What What I'm hearing is kids want a Spanish club. You want to start one, but you don't know anything about Spanish or about Spanish clubs or clubs, um, in, general. Or clubs in general. I'm going to give this piece of advice. And if you want to clarify that, then I'll go get down with it. I only ever have clubs after school that kids are interested in. They're never, it's stuff that I might be interested in also, but I never try to say like, hey, I want to have, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but I'm just saying it's a good move. I'm going to have, um, a club on transcendental literacy, right? Or literature, right? I love the transcendental movement and I want to have a book club on that. Or I want to have a a club about women's rights. If nobody's interested in it, then they're not going to want to do it, right? So like find something they're interested in. So if you're doing that with the Spanish club, dope. If you don't know anything about it, find people that do. And what that can look like is maybe find people in your community that like, um, are a Spanish interpreter for someone, or they work at, um, I read somewhere, maybe it was like in some book where like folks were, uh, like essentially what, let me say it this way. You're essentially finding people in the community, finding people online in the world that can help you create a curriculum or can shed some light on some of the things your kids want to learn about. Right. So I realized that in teaching my hip hop class, I don't know everything about hip hop. I couldn't DJ for the life of me. I can't break dance. I, when I dance, it looks embarrassing. Um, and so 
when I don't know anything about how to write rhymes, I don't know anything about how to um, MC an event, but I know people that know how to do that. And sometimes that's even better because they are legit and they're not, you're not the talking head all the time. You're like bringing in a guest that's talking about something that's in, that is running something for a week or for a day with your kids. And then if they're awesome, you just look super awesome. And so you benefit more than once. So that's kind of what I would do is like, if I'm thinking about that in the short term, who in your community, go on Instagram, search hashtags, search them on Twitter or on Facebook. And on Instagram, you can search hashtags based on where you live too. So it's going to be really close. So when I'm looking for street artists to come into school, I search hashtags in West Philadelphia or in Philadelphia in general, and then I just DM them. And the great thing about DMing people is, uh, this is like way Gary V right here, but like (laughs) DMing with my students' eyes is only used for hooking up. That's the only reason anyone DMs. So when you're DMing and you're trying to connect with someone, if I want to connect with someone, everybody emails and everybody uses Twitter, but the DM is almost never used so I can break through the noise a lot more and get really cool people in a way that like, and I'm connecting with them in a way that like nobody kind of saw coming. And my students think it's hilarious because they think everyone thinks I'm going to try to hook up, but I'm like, bro, I'm like cuffed for life over here. Um, that's that's what they say. That's what they call wedding rings. They're like, bro, you're cuffed. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like not a happy thing. (laughs) It sounds like I got arrested. Kids quiet. Trying to appear. Noble. Are you still alive? I'm still alive. Brendan was on here. This is Brody. Wait, Brendan? He's not on here anymore. And Grayson. They were playing lightsabers outside today, and it was very loud. And Fortnite. And course. Fortnite. Um, well, Moe, get out of the camera. Cool. Nobody knows you. All right, I'm gonna ask. Here, right, I'm gonna see. ask more questions. Um, how do you deal? Uh, so this is from Alex. Is asking how do you deal with uninvolved parents? Only two out of sixteen parents showed up at back to school night. Um, you know. So here's the thing. One, back to school night does not mean that your kid. So I'm going to project a little bit, right? I don't know, I'm going to read into what you're saying. And I if I have it wrong, I'm not saying, I, I don't say anything bad about you. Um, or I don't mean it in that, in that way. I would say that back to school night is not a real testament to whether or not someone's involved or not. Like sometimes work gets in the way. Sometimes mom's working two jobs and she can't make it to to back to school night because she's hustling and trying to provide for her kids. So I would say, give them the benefit of the doubt and call home. Hey, um, I just, I didn't see it back to school night. And I just wanted to make sure like, you know, you know that I'm your kid's teacher. This is what we're learning this year. There's a dinosaur behind me. Um, and if there's ever anything that I can do, please just let me know. And sometimes hearing that kind voice is like parents, as parents, we know, like I didn't go to my daughter's back to school night because something came up this year. First one I've ever missed. And in the back of your head, you're thinking, am I being judged? Because mm-hmm. I look like a bad parent. Parents don't like to look like bad parents. They will do anything to save face. And so if you call up and say, hey, you know, no judgment. I was just wondering how you were. And like, if there's ever anything I can do, and this is who I'm the teacher, that will just make people feel good. And if they know that when they call you, they're going to feel good, they'll be more apt to reach out. I think the other thing you can do is, depending on like what grades people are teaching, like, have parents come in, have them come in and talk about their jobs or about something that's a hobby or have them come in and read books to your students. My son's teacher used to do this thing where they would have all the kids close their eyes, they like hide their eyes, 
And then there was a special reader that would come in. And I, any number of times I went in and I had a, a book that I chose. I went in for 15 minutes to read the book to kids. And when they see who's there, like the kids were ecstatic because their mom or dad or grandma or pastor or whoever came in and they were stoked about it. And I just think that's a really fun way to kind of involve parents um, and get them into the classroom. And then they're going to buy in more because they see what's going on. And I think that could be a really great thing. Uh, Leah Pratt is asking, how do you encourage a colleague who is down, down about drama going in, going between herself and other teachers, but also help her see that she is the one that is starting it and keeping it going. Look, I'm, I'm, you know, my channel is called real rap with Reynolds because I believe a hundred percent in having real conversations with people when you can learn to have tough conversations with people, um, it only benefits your life. It does not start drama. It doesn't start shit. It just really starts um, a real dialogue with people and they see where you're coming from and you don't have to do it from a place of anger or disappointment or judgment. The way I would have that is to say, hey, look, this is what I'm noticing lately, right? And you're not saying this is what you're doing. This is what I'm noticing and I'm wondering if this is the best Thing for you. I care deeply about you. I want you to have the best year ever. I want you to have the best experience ever at our school. But I'm thinking like, like, tell me if I'm seeing this right. I think that that's the best way to do it. And then really, really listen to what they're saying. And, and the third part is say back to them what they said. My wife and I do this all the time, where she'll tell me something about myself. And I say, all right, so what I'm hearing is, and then you say it back to them in their words. And sometimes when people hear back what they're saying, it like changes their mind. It like, it blows them away because it sounds, it's like, no, 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 what I'm saying is this. And it's like, bro, but I just said exactly what you said. And that really can start a conversation of like holding a mirror up to people's actions and to the words, and you can have a much better conversation. So that's what I would say. Hey, this is what I'm noticing. And I just want to have talk to you about it because they deeply care about you. Um, Wendelin Arroyo Orr. First of all, I have never heard the name Wendelin in my life, and it's kind of beautiful. Um, and your last name, I apologize, but I have, mm. a, I have a name disability or something like that. <laughs> Thoughts on using sentences as a form of consequence. I'm not in agreement for any reason. However, uh, thought I'd get your insight before we have a talk with the teacher uh, thoughts on using sentences as a form of consequence. So does that mean like, like and maybe you could like clear this out. Like, Bart Simpson, Oh, Oh, like that's that? not what I was thinking. What are you so thinking? my wife thinks you're talking about like old school, like Simps, Bart Simpson standing at the <laughs> wall, like writing stuff. I don't know. I saw it as um, like telling kids they have to write like five sentence minimum. And if they don't do that, then it, now it's a seven sentence minimum. And if they don't, if they don't oh, do that, yeah. they're still being loud. it's a tense. And so we, either one of us could be right. Here's what I think about both of those things, because I love ridiculous detention sometimes. Um, Cause I like absurdity. I think, I think we are too serious about stuff. So I used to have this detention, right? I got it from my eighth grade teacher, Mr. Kerr used to do this. He would draw a circle about the size of your head on the board. He would then shade in that circle. And he would say, your detention's over when you're done flicking a rubber band at this and it erases the circle completely. <laughs> or if two people got a detention because they were talking or screwing around in class, he would do it for two kids and whoever erased it first could leave. The other kid had another detention the next day. And look, 
he never made you erase the whole thing. I never make kids erase the whole thing. I never always give like a straight detention the next day to another kid. It's always just an, a space for us to talk, but it provides a little bit of levity about what happened. It's like, now you have to do this thing and it's not going to, it's going to be weird, like, or serve some purpose or something like that. It just, I think it provides levity to the situation sometimes. Um, and so in terms of like writing things on the board, I don't know. It depends on what you're writing. Like if they had to write Mr. Reynolds is the greatest teacher in the world. I'll never talk in his class again. I think that's a little bit funnier than like writing something serious on the board. Um, but for increasing sentences, I mean, I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't think that's a good move. I, I think it's like when people make their kids, they're like, oh, are we talking a lot? Well, now you have to read because what you're doing is like, is you're you're attributing negativity to this thing that should be positive that'd be like if my kids were acting up and i said oh yeah well now you have to come over and hug me now and it's like i don't want to connect hugging with you doing something bad so i just think people need to be careful with that and i to be honest detentions in general are not most of the time they're bullshit like detention should be you're acting up in class now you have to stay after but it's so we can connect on a deeper level so I can understand where you're coming from or you can try and understand where I'm coming from and we're building that relationship or we're, we're creating something for, out of this like negative experience. We're trying to make the most positive thing we can out of it. And the detention is really so I have time to talk with you one-on-one -on -one because I don't have that time in the middle of class all the time. Uh, Zahara J is saying, what kind of teacher did high school – wait – what kind of teacher did high school Reynolds prefer? Oh, okay, I get it. Um, do you think your younger self would like the kind of teacher you are today? Zahara, I am 100% as close I can be to the teacher I always wanted. I very, very rarely had good teachers. I went to a really, I went to high school um, in Jersey where like kids from other schools got kicked out and sent there. But I didn't know it was that kind of high school because I visited on a Saturday and it looked awesome because they had a pool and a really dope wood shop. <laughs> and then I got there and I was like, oh, this is like friggin' dangerous minds all of a sudden. Um, but I wrote it out because I don't like giving up on anything. And it actually made me a much better human being in my life. And um, and so I think for me, it's someone that is consistent, someone that is funny someone that talks real and we're not like we're not bullshitting kids we're not trying to sell kids like telling them that algebra is good because i said so but they're actually breaking it down like what is what is the actual use of algebra and i have a teacher uh that i'm teaching with this year that's really trying to break that down for her boys um it's about making things relevant it's about taking what I, if someone had ever taught a lesson based on either star wars or tribe called quest it would have blown my mind that a teacher took the time to learn what I was interested in to do something that I, like within class, it would have blown my mind. It would have been the greatest. So I think I'm the same kind of parent. I'm the same kind of friend. I'm the same kind of husband that um, husband doesn't really work out, but like I'm the same kind of spouse um, because I'm trying to be the person that I would have wanted. That's where I always come from. Great question. Thank you. Um, all the greens. Uh, all the greens are saying diamond flame 45 is saying uh i've been displaced to middle school from high school due to under enrollment how do i recommend how do you recommend i adapt i'm obligated this year but i plan to apply for high school next year i would say one um middle school to high school it's not that 
different to me. Um, I, I, maybe that's because I teach ninth grade and eighth grade is so similar. I would say, first of all, as best you can do, do not lament about it. Take it as something that you're like, I'm going to crush this more than any, like, I'm going to take that little tiny classroom. I'm going to take that cart. I'm going to take this job and I'm going to do the absolute best with it that I can possibly do. And who knows, maybe you even like it more. Um, and the reason I like high school more than middle school is I feel like I can go even deeper. I can talk about stuff that I couldn't talk about with middle schoolers. I can expose them to music and movies and ideas that like just your mind might not be ready for in the middle school. Um, you can do trips. You can do like the high school kids have a vision of like the fact that like high school is almost done. Like that next part of my life is about to start that middle schoolers do not have yet all the time. And so making things relevant, talking about college, talking about real life, talking about like them, like having freedom and all that stuff is so fun because you're giving kids this glimpse in the outside world that they might not have otherwise. So I would just say run with it. Um, and you know, as all I keep saying, like bring speakers into your classroom, but I think high school is the best time to do that, especially if you can get people that can speak to what it's like as soon as high school's done. I think that's just super dope. Um, and if you're looking for like English, I, I don't know what you teach, but I teach high school English. I'd be more than happy to like share any resources with you. So if you shoot me an email and you need help with that, I'd be down to do that. And uh, Anthony Biggs is saying, uh, can you do a video on your, uh, on your teacher planner? If one, if you use one, I know not everyone does. So I don't use a teacher planner, but I plan. And I, I use like, uh, and I could do a video on this, uh, cause I get the question off. I use one of those big like desk pads that you get at Staples for like seven to $10. And then I plan out all of my stuff on there. Um, and the short of it is I go through and mark all the stuff like days I'm going to have off things that are coming up, speakers are coming in, class trips are going on, um, cancel all those days out. And then I take my book, whatever I'm reading. And if it's 200 pages, I figure out how many days I have left in that five week period. I divide the number of pages in the book. So I have an idea of how much I need to be reading every day and every week. And then I just fit in my lessons like that. So like if I know I'm reading the first three chapters of Lord of the Flies or the first chapter in that first week, um, I want to focus in on things like imagery, right? So I know imagery is what's happening then. The second week, Ralph and um, what the hell's his name? What's his name, dude? Oh, I'm Ralph. Oh, sorry. Ralph and oh, whatever the hell his name is. I, the other dude in, in Lord of the Flies, I'm blanking right now, um, is like I might want to focus on conflict in the second week because I know that that's the beginning of conflict. I'm like, you know, and so that's how I sort of reverse engineer what I'm doing in class. You got any more for me? Oh, uh, yeah. We need to be just about to. Yeah. Uh, summer Tate. Uh, Summer Tate is asking, I have, a, I have a limited English speaking student in my social studies class. She's very smart, but she's totally lost when I'm teaching. Um, I'm going to try to get her an iPad with Google Translate. Any advice? I would say, you know, so I, when I taught in Camden, I would constantly get kids that were coming from either Mexico or Dominican Republic um, or Puerto Rico that, had, that could not speak English at all. What you're going to find is just by being in the class and sort of them having to be forced um, to learn English, they'll learn English very quickly. I would just let them know, like maybe you could tailor different assignments to them. Maybe you could give them different English books or you could give them graphic novels or something along the lines where you're 
sort of slowly introducing them and they're still doing work, but they're doing different work than everyone else until they kind of catch up with their language and with their writing skills. Um, but I would, more than anything, I would work on building that child's self-esteem up and letting them know that it's okay to be where you are. We're not expecting you to be to, to move with the pace of the rest of the class. And that is not because you're stupid. It is because you are have made this brave move to this new classroom where it's completely unfamiliar. And if any of us were moved to any other country in the world, we might be forced to do that also, although we're American. So we just expect everyone to know English. But anyway, um, if you were in that situation, you would like feel the same way. And then maybe start by like having short conversations with that kid, invite them in for lunch or after school and just say, Hey, how are you? Or like, what did you like to do where you came from? And then have them try and work through talking about themselves. And that might start just making them more comfortable to do the deeper dive into education. Last one. I don't know. Zafir shadows is saying is makeup seen as wait, what is makeup seen as professional for teachers? I start my practical experience this coming Tuesday and notice that many people go to their assigned classes or don't go, wait, they go to their assigned assigned classes classes wearing makeup, makeup. but I am not a makeup person. I would say this, that's a really great question. Um, I, I think you should go in doing you right. Do not try to be someone else. So for instance, and this is so, this is so minor to what you're talking about, but I'll share it anyway. When I student taught the guy I student taught with expected that he thought I should shave every day, like something he shared with me. And I hate shaving. Like I always just keep like kind of this scruff, but I never ever shave because part of this, because I look like a baby if I do. Um, But like, I just don't like doing it. So I never do. And I like thinking about what I wear. Like that is something that matters to me. But if somebody else doesn't, like it's, here's the the thing that's going to come down to is it's going to come down to you and your level of caring about the students. And on the front end, your fashion might be like analyzed or the whether or not you do your hair every day or you wear makeup or you tweeze your eyebrows or I don't think anyone tweezes their eyebrows, do they? That thing. But anyway, um, it all is going to come down to how you treat and how you deal with the students, right? So, um, so don't feel any type of way about anything, the way you might look, it always comes down to how you treat the students. And I know that for fact, because I have seen, People come in that wear the same thing every day and they get down with students. I've seen people that like my best, one of my best friends at school um, does not look like she should be a successful teacher in West Philadelphia in terms of like, if you, and this is totally judging her, right? Like, like if someone were to judge her that she is like, um, she's not particularly tall. She doesn't have a particularly commanding voice. She has red hair. Um, she is very, very kind and loving. And it just, if you had that described to you and you thought this person will do a good, will this person do a good job teaching in West Philadelphia? Um, it doesn't look like it, but she's amazing. She's like the greatest teacher, one of the greatest teachers anyway that I've ever met. She would do anything for her students and the students know that. And so, but she does that by authentically being who she is and not pretending to be someone else. If she tried to be tough or tried to be down, everyone would see through it. But instead, she's just the beautiful, kind-hearted soul that she is every single day without fail. And that's how she wins every single year. Um, So, gang, that's the end. If I didn't get to your question, if you want to go a little bit deeper, shoot me an email. 
Now, listen, emails, real quick, before you sign off, please listen to this, um, are very, very difficult to get to right now. There are a lot of people having a hard year. I did about 40 emails today, 30 emails today. Um, I sent videos to everyone. And so it just takes a long time sometimes to get to them. I'm in, I have... 16 more I have 16 more to go and then if so if you emailed me and you're waiting for a response I only have 16 more to go please 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 if you think that someone could use this platform if they have a question if they need help please send them to the channel I'd love for them to subscribe to hit the bell to show up at the live feeds not so I can like make money or like be a big deal I have zero friggin' interest in that what I have an interest in is really helping people that are feeling alone right now, that feel like they're struggling to have a place to ask questions, to have a safe space, to like get something from, and not just from me, from all of you awesome people that are in the comment section, like offering help, giving advice, doing cool stuff. Um, you are not invisible. I see you on there and I go back and I read all this stuff as soon as we're done. Um, I just don't have a chance to do it online all the time. So Gang, until next week, I hope you have the best week ever. I hope it's super fun. I hope you have something great going on. And if you don't, if you do, come share it next week. And if you don't, we're here for you next Sunday and we'll help you out and help you be the best that you can be. Peace. Awkward ending while I hit the button. <laughs> A end. <laughs> <laughs>